Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a little bit different than most episodes, but I think you might get some value out of it. I get a lot of real estate questions uh, over the course of a month, so hopefully this episode might answer some of the questions that come in, and and, uh, I just appreciate you guys, the listeners, and your support. Uh, Don't forget the sponsors of this podcast make this possible. Go Hunt Insider, uh, best resource out there for hunting draw odds and harvest statistics. You can go to gohunt.com forward slash insider. Use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a $50 Go Hunt gear shop gift card. You can be immediately purchasing things there with that credit. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Also, kuyu.com. Go to kuyu.com that's k-u-i-u they make the best ultralight hunting gear on the market today Uh, phonescope.com use the j scott 16 promo code Uh, phonescope makes the best uh, phone adapters where they've got an adapter that that allows you to take photos and videos from any phone to any optic whether it be a spotting scope or binocular use the j scott 16 promo code you're going to get a 10 percent discount and the Optics Authority, the Outdoorsman's in Arizona, 1-800-291-8065 or Outdoorsman's.com. If you use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, guys, if you want to send me an email, you can do so at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow along on my Instagram account at jscottoutdoors, and I just appreciate all the support. Let's get right to this episode. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. We have a fun episode today. I get a lot of real estate questions uh, about weekly. I get questions about what I do for a living and uh, some of my background in real estate and what have you. And I've got uh, Justin Chambers and Amanda Sweatman from Texas on the line. Justin had been asking me some questions and he had some real estate ideas and such and I said, you know what, Justin, why don't we do, why don't we record it and um, hopefully it'll bring value not only to to you guys, Justin and Amanda, but uh, maybe to some other listeners out there. And uh, it'll also give a little background. I get a lot of people asking me my real estate background, so I figured we'll just cover it in this podcast and um, uh, see how it goes. So I've got Justin and Amanda uh why don't you guys take just a second to tell me about yourselves? What I do know is Justin uh, it, uh, went to Texas State, uh, and I, I follow him on Instagram. And if you guys want to check him out, it's uh, J underscore C-H-A-M 13. And you're a chiseled up sucker. Amanda, you got a good one. Uh, he, he's quite the buff dude. He could double for the Incredible Hulk, I think. I don't know about that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and Amanda, um, uh, you went to Texas Tech, and in the intro, uh, I wasn't really thinking, and you said Texas Tech, and in my mind, I was just thinking Texas A&M, and I called you an Aggie, and I thought you were going to come through the phone and, and strangle me, but uh, you're a Red Raider, um, so why don't you guys take a little little bit here and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your age. Um, kind of where you live and kind of, you know, set the scene as far as, um, you know, some questions you have for me, uh, and then we'll, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah, I'll go first, Jay. Um, I'm, I'm 25. I'll be 26 this summer. Uh, I currently work with my stepdad. We have a small construction company where we work, uh, just at a local lake outside of Austin 
and we we actually build boat docks, uh, custom boat docks for people, and okay. you know, we be doing that. Um, but Amanda and I started talking just kind of about real estate, and that's kind of why we uh, you know wanted to go think of that option. Um, Amanda, you sure. Yeah, Amanda, um, I, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'm 24. I'll be 25 at the end of this year. I studied architecture at Texas Tech, and I work for a custom residential firm um, in Austin. We do high-end residential out there, pretty much all over the country. Um, so I'm in the process of becoming licensed right now. So I've always had, I've always loved homes and been in that environment. So that's really what's gotten me the drive to want to get into real estate because I'm I'm around it all the time, and I sure. I've uh, when I moved to Austin three years ago after college, I um, did Airbnb with my apartment and was really successful with that and met a lot of really cool people and really enjoyed doing that. So it wanted me to definitely get more into real estate investing because I saw how rewarding it was doing it through Airbnb. And that was one thing that, you know, she, whenever I met her, I knew that she was doing that. And it's so funny that this weekend I actually – uh, have my first guest for Airbnb as well, so it's kind of like we're trying to do a little a mini a mini test of you know real estate investing and you know having you know different uh, income coming in through you know different ways um, and just trying to look how to get more permanent into it. Yeah, for sure, for sure, Amanda. I think I heard you say that you were um, getting your real estate license. Did I hear that correctly? I'm getting my um, architecture license. Architecture license. Okay, so your background is in architecture, but you've worked for a home builder. Did I get that correct? That you've been around real estate and around high-end custom homes. Um, yeah, and that you design firm. Okay, okay. Well, for, for the first thing I would tell you guys is, from what I'm hearing there, I hear a lot of ambition in your voices, which is it makes me pumped to know that you know you guys are in your mid mid 20s and you you know you have a desire to um i can just hear it in your voice that there's there's a, a want to you know find out more which i think is huge for anybody not only in real estate but you know in business in general wanting to see what else is out there and it sounds like you both you know i can just tell by the way you you know you're talking that you you know you have some confidence in the fact that you know that real estate can uh, be a good vehicle to, to, to make extra income. Um, it seems like maybe you're just trying to figure out the route to go and maybe the best way to go. And so I think yeah. it will make for some pretty good conversation. Um, Justin, a follow-up question with you. In these boat docks, um, how extensive are we talking uh, on these docks? I mean, are, are we going as far as, you know, residential structures on the docks? Are we are we, you know, high lift jacks, you know, where you lift the boats out of the water? What, what, what type of docks are you guys building? Yeah, so we're pretty fortunate that we work on a lake that it's constant level year-round. It may fluctuate by most a foot and a half, two feet. So instead of doing, you know, big floating docks, what we're able to do is drive, like, schedule 40, two and seven, eight structural steel piers into the ground, and then we can weld frames and pour concrete slabs onto those uh, frames. And then we'll put... We don't do, we actually are doing our first um, kind of residential housing um, on top of a dock uh, right now, um, going through our first project. But what we mainly do 
is big party decks, so big concrete um, decks on top of them. And then we'll put some outdoor kitchens and, and different things like that uh, on top, you know, covered patios area, a bunch of seating. Um, but sure. as, as, as far as orders on top of the docks, we don't do a whole lot of those. Like I said, we're doing, we've actually finished up on our first, uh, first, you know, uh, kind of residential type structure. So, right. but as far as hands-on stuff, you know, nuts and bolts and, you know, hammers and, you know, banging nails and, and, you know, as far as being able to put stuff together and build stuff, and this will kind of come in later, are, do you feel like you're pretty, pretty comfortable in an environment where fixing stuff, building stuff, and, and maybe not, you know, have the expertise, but, I mean, it seems like you have some structural um, knowledge and, and kind of how things go together and, and such. Right, right. If we were to definitely get hands-on, I, I think we wouldn't really have a problem doing that. That would definitely be something that we, I think we could tackle and be successful. And at. it would be fun for us, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, that, you know, that's a huge part of it, where if you enjoy doing it, and then if there is money at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, that that's always a huge perk. But um, I, I will tell you, it's really neat that you guys are young, and you've got, a, I mean, I'm 45, so I've got 20 years on you guys. Um, but but you're already forward thinking. You're thinking, man. You know, I know we can do something like this. So, I mean, for me, that's half the battle of, uh, for one, having kind of ambitious, you know, kind of thoughts. But two, you know, like looking forward and saying, okay, how do we position ourselves to maybe utilize some of these skills, Amanda, with your um, architecture and some of those skills. Um, and, and then Justin, with your you know construction type type skills, um, if you could piece that together and figure out uh, an avenue, uh, you know, for for you guys to figure out some real estate and and make some extra money, um, I guess one of the first things I can tell you guys a little bit about my background, and then I'll just kind of let you ask some questions. Uh, I got my real estate license uh, immediately after getting out of college. I, I spent uh, about three years at uh, Grand Canyon University in, in the Phoenix area. I actually played golf um, th through college there, and I finished up with 18 hours actually at, at Arizona State University, and I graduated. Um, they barely let me out, but they let me out, and um, I got my real estate license uh, right you know, immediately after graduating from college. And uh, my dad sold uh, and still does sell uh, residential, uh, uh, re uh, residential properties, uh, uh, residential real estate properties in Arizona. And so he's probably been in for, you know, 30, 35 years. I'd have to go back and add it up. But um, he, he was always, you know, I told him I was interested in real estate, and he had always told me, man, I, you're such an outside guy. I don't know that you'd be necessarily interested in being a real estate agent and selling homes, but I think you ought to consider um, selling vacant land. And mm -hmm. so what I did is I got my real estate license right out of college. I literally didn't know anything about anything, and I, I, I passed my real estate exam on the first try, and I actually, a, a friend of mine's brother was in commercial real estate, but he did a lot of land. And I basically went to him and begged, uh, begged him to let me basically work for him and work with him and do anything, be a runner, um, you know, put up signs, 
uh, do anything that I could to learn real estate. And he was gracious enough to let me come. He gave me a little uh, desk in his office. Uh, and I just basically took off. Uh, and, and, you know, every expired listing that he had or anything that he needed me to do, I was just Johnny on the spot, or I tried to be. And I tried to learn as much as I could uh, about everything. And I took it. I, I was a really good uh, student in grade school, and I was a really good student in high school. Uh, in college, I would say that I was a I was a you know C student at best, um, <laughs> just because I I really was at a point where I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was playing golf and I was working as well and I was just kind of muddling through school. I ended up getting a, a justice studies major or criminal justice uh, at, at at Arizona State, and that's kind of what I studied. Thought maybe I wanted to be a cop or maybe FBI or or an attorney or something like that. And um, that all that all kind of went to waste. But I did get a degree, so I'm. <laughs> all, I'm go ahead. I said all you need was the piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and I think that's so important these days um, to to realize that you know, and and any young guys out there listening, young guys or gals, like, it, you know, not everybody has it all figured out. Don't think you're the only one if if you're you know you're out there and you don't actually have a direction. Um, you know, and, and there's a whole other podcast that, that would say that maybe going to, you know, getting in debt and, you know, spending a bunch of money if, if you had to borrow money to go to school um, isn't the way to go. Maybe you should go to, to a trade school or something, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, so I, I get my real estate license and I start working for this guy and he's doing, he's doing all kinds of stuff, but um, he, I kind of start working in this area in northeast part of, of Phoenix uh, called Rio Verde, and it's a bunch of vacant land, and just started uh, actually cold calling people that have land. I started doing mailings to people that had land, and I started getting a few listings. And I remember, this is a true story, I, um, one of the very first people to return, I sent out a little postcard saying, I'd like to list your property, um, and I sent it to all the expired listings in the area that I wanted to work out there. And this doctor called me, said, hey, this is doctor, and I won't call him by the name, but uh, this mm -hmm. doctor, and he said, can you come out to my house? I, uh, I've got a handful of properties that I want you to uh, market and sell. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I was fired up right out of college. Here I am. I go, I mean, I don't know anything. Like, I'm the greenest, like, I, you know. So I get out there to this nice house, and I drive this old beat-up truck that I had, and I drove it out to his house, and I parked. I'm thinking, here goes nothing. Like, literally, I've never been on a listing appointment, had no, no idea what I was doing. Uh -huh. And I walked in there, and he starts pulling out on his desk. He starts pulling out these pieces of paper. He's like, I own this, and he's pulling out this map. I own this, and I own this, and I own this. Ended up giving me, like, seven or eight pieces of property. Wow. Well, nice. went, went for listing, and, and when he said, what do you think they ought to be priced at? I said, well, sir... I don't know much about real estate. I'm new. You know, which <laughs> you don't ever tell someone if you're new. I mean, usually you just try and at least kind of be quiet and maybe they'll not notice. But so I'm doing everything wrong. And he, he says, do you know what you're doing? I said, sir, I have no idea what I'm doing. I said, yeah. but I promise you I will keep signs on the property. I'll go mark each property with PVC pipes. And I said, no one will ever pull up to your property and not know where the corners are, and I'll always have flyers in the info tube, 
And when they call me, I'll go out there and meet every single person. He says, well, I'm going to give you a chance. Wow. Nice. So then, then, we started, uh, then we started going over the pricing. Well, I noticed that the, he had these listings, all of them that he was giving me had been on the market, and they had just expired because they hadn't sold. Mm-hmm. So when I started seeing the pricing, he was telling me that I was going to list them at a higher price. And I said, man, I said, ah, sir, uh, you know, doctor, you know, <laughs> They, they sat on the market for over a year or some of them two years and they didn't sell at this price and now you want me to take them and you want me to take them at, you know, you know three to $5,000 an acre over what they didn't sell for. And he just looked across the table at me and he said, son, he said, I'm going to teach you a few things about real estate. And I'm just <laughs> looking at him. He goes, it's all about timing. Real estate is all about timing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, yeah, great. Now I got eight listings that are so overpriced, they're never going to sell. And mm-hmm. he says, things are happening. It's all about timing. And I never, I'll never forget that because I walked out of there, and, and, and there's a funny story that goes with us, but I walked out of there in my mind thinking, I literally have to go to eight properties, put up signs on eight properties, do eight flyers, put corners on, you know, mark all the corners, on properties that are never going to sell. But I'm also walking out of the meeting thinking, oh, I've got my first listings. I can actually have my name on a sign. I can actually have flyers. And when people call, I can actually have something to show them. And it right. dawned on me, it dawned on me there. I was, I, this is between the door and going to my truck. I'm thinking, I got to find some other properties to sell that I can actually sell that are priced right. <laughs> So I walk out the door, and I'm all fired up. He's like patting me on the back like, you can do it, son. I'm like, okay, this is the honest truth. I walk out to my truck, and I'm so excited, and I'm so fired up. He had this kind of circular driveway, and it was out kind of in the desert, but a real nice house outside of Phoenix. And I was so, like, jazzed up that when I went to go around the circular driveway, now, thankfully, he was back in his house. He went back in, and... So I'm kind of sitting in my car, and I start to drive around the circular driveway. And I don't know what happened, but somehow I got all jacked up on the circular driveway. And then I started (laughs) trying to back up and correct my mistake. And if it it makes any sense, the circular driveway, but it's very uh, penalizing on both sides where it drops into, like, these ditches. High, High center, high center my truck in his front yard in, like, this beautiful neighborhood, you know, like five-acre properties and bigger, I get, I'm stuck now. Now, and then I, I try and put it in four-wheel drive. Now I'm digging a hole. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, this doctor just trusted me, and I've just buried my truck in his front yard. And I, I tell you this story because it's kind of funny how it's all played out. But so I get out, and I'm just, you know, I'm just mortified. I go back up to the door. I knock on the door. I said, sir, and he looks out and he goes, looks like you've had a problem. And I said, I said, yeah. I said, I don't know. I got sideways and then I tried to make it better and then I made it worse and he kind of laughed and he said, let's go call a tow truck. So that's the honest truth of my first listing appointment. And I, and I go through that long story just because it's a funny one, and that's the honest truth. A, a tow truck had to come and pull my truck out of this 
doctor's yard. Then I had to go with a rake and, you know, rake it all and make it back to normal. And why he didn't just pull the listings from me and be like, dude, you're a wreck. Like, no way am I going to list my million-dollar properties with you. Anyway, he's like, go get them, Tiger. So there I go. I, I, I get in my car, and finally I drive off, and I'm like, that was the most embarrassing moment of my entire life. And I'll speed this up. Make a long story short, I go put signs up. I go put all the info tubes. I do what I said, and anyone that called, I drove out there, met them, showed them the properties. Well, guess what? They started selling. Wow. I started nice. selling this property and this property and that property, and he was right. Real estate is all about timing. That was just in the period of you know that 96, 97 time frame. We had already come out of the bubble of you know, 89, 90, 91, 92, and interest rates were really high. The market got really crappy, and then it was just starting to you know, kind of come back and climb out. Um, and, and so what I would tell you guys first and foremost is real estate is all about timing. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you're going to try and do, you have to realize that it's all a timing play. You can be the biggest genius in the world or you can be the biggest idiot in the world, and sometimes it's hard to know where that timing falls. Mm -hmm. So I would tell you when you're trying to study what you should be doing, I would be looking at macro trends. I would be going to seminars, real estate seminars. I'm sure they have some there in Austin where you guys live. Listening to people that have been there and done it, and I'm not talking about the guys that are the get-rich-quick schemes and, oh, we're going to flip this and flip that, and I'm not saying you can't make great money flipping. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is go, go into it with your eyes open that you know that real estate is all timing. In order to, to reap the biggest benefit out of real estate, you have to be on the right side of the timing curve. The other, right. thing, is, the other thing is, There's always a deal out there in any market other than if the real estate market crashes and it's sliding going, you know, hard going down. There's a period there when, you know, you got to be careful. But Mm -hmm. I would tell you in, 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 in your geographic area in Austin, Texas, which from what I hear is a real robust, everything going great real estate market, what I can tell you is there is a deal and multiple deals all over that city and all over that county all around you. You just have to, you have, it's real estate is all about timing and it's all about individual deals and finding a little diamond in the rough. Uh, If you're talking about uh, uh, properties, residential properties that maybe need some TLC, maybe they need, you know, new carpet, new paint, new tile, new toilets, new sinks, you know, they need to be dolled up. Maybe, maybe the grass is crappy and it's like gravel and maybe you need to go in there and pull it out. Maybe you need to go in there and put all new sod. I mean, there's certainly things that you can do with sweat equity that you can Im- improve a property. But then right. there's also properties that people sell on distress sales or people sell on divorces or whatever situation where you can position yourself where you can actually buy the property at a lower price. And the two things about real estate that I always say, it's timing and then it's finding the deal. And in order to find the deal, you have to know your market. So whether you're, it doesn't matter if you're doing mobile homes 
manufactured homes, trailer houses, you know, huge apartment buildings, pieces of land, you know, uh, vacant land, uh, uh, commercial land, uh, residential housing, uh, multifamily housing. You have to know the market. Mm -hmm. I'll fast forward. I'll fast forward a few years in my own real estate career. So I, so I, the doctor got me started off, and then I started building a reputation of. I stayed focused basically in one area, and I sold vacant land, and it was about twelve thousand eight hundred acres from basically one street to another, and I stayed in one grid, and I told myself I was going to know more about that area than anyone else. Now, keep in mind, I'm just out of college. I got no money. I put myself through college. I, I still had a little bit of student loan debt that I was paying off. I drove literally a $1,500 vehicle. I, I, I had no money, and but I, but I had one. I had the desire. I had the chip on my shoulder that I knew that there was more out there than what I had, and I wanted more and I wanted a better life for myself. Uh, I wasn't married at the time. You know, uh, you know, as broke as I was, I barely could get a date. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> I was one of those guys that had no money, but I wanted to improve my situation, and I knew that I had some drive, and I knew that I had some salesmanship. Uh, so I took all of that, and what I did is I focused on one area, and I told myself, I'm going to know more about that area than anyone and now keep in mind I'm just a kid like I mean I, I I'm just a kid and I went and met with the well drillers the utility companies the, the guys that dig trenches the contractors I knew them all by name I carried around a yellow pad with all of their contact info I got to know these people and then every piece of property that came on the market I would drive out in my little beat-up truck, and I would go walk the property. And I'm not talking like, eh, there it is. I would go and find the survey stakes and walk every corner of the property. I would make notes of it. Then I'd go to the next property, the next property. Then any time a property would sell, I'd go back to the property. I'd walk the property. I'd write down on my piece of paper how, many, how much price per acre it sold for, what date it closed, who bought it. So in other words, I immersed myself in my market. And mm -hmm. if I could give you guys some advice, whatever you guys decide to do in real estate, what I would tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 15 years old. I'm telling you, if you were 14 or 15 and had half a brain but had the desire, you could do what I used to do. Right. And that, and, but you could do it in any type of real estate, but you have to almost get a chip on your shoulder and be like, okay, we're 25 and 26 or 24 and 25. It doesn't matter. We're going to learn. We're going to talk to everybody we can. We're going to go to as many seminars as we can. We're going to go to the job site. We're going to go to properties that are for sale. We're going to go to properties that are sold. We are going to learn whatever it is you want to learn about real estate and be a sponge and soak everything up within the back of your mind knowing that it's all about timing. So let's talk about timing for a second. I don't exactly know how the market is in Texas. I hear it's pretty good. We have come out of, you know, the market crash of 08, 
you know, and in Phoenix, it started really coming back in 2000. You know, I would say that 2011 was probably the bottom of the market in Maricopa County in Phoenix. From what I hear, the Texas market didn't go near as high and didn't drop near as low, uh, but there was somewhat of a correction. Mm -hmm. So now yeah. we're at we're seven years. We're 2018. We're 2011 was kind of what I would say the bottom. 2008 is when it fell out. So there was like a three-year period where it was just a downhill slide, and then mm -hmm. it kind of bottomed, and then it's it's really come back in Phoenix, and um, and you know the the Maricopa County area. So what I would tell you is, in this journey of yours in real estate, depending on what you want to go into, and we're talking macro kind of ballpark here, you've mm -hmm. got to always remember that it's all about timing. So I am not going to tell you right now to just go all in with every penny you got and go in hard right now because the timing is probably, you know, it's probably getting pretty rich right now. It's probably getting pretty over, you know, the prices are getting pretty high. Am I saying there's a crash coming? No. <clears throat> but you've got to watch your timing and that, that's not saying that you can't dive into real estate and do some real estate, but I'm telling you in the back of your mind, just always know that it's a timing play and you've got to watch your cycles. And about every 10 years, there's a cycle of some sort. Do I think we're going to have another 2008 anytime soon? No. But do I think over the next five years we're going to have a correction of some sort? Yes, absolutely. Do I think it's going to be a huge correction like 08? Probably not, but I, you know, I've lived, I saw my dad live through it in the late 80s, early 90s, and then I got in in 96, 90, you know, after college. And then, you know, we had a pretty darn good market all the way until, you know, 2008. So, and then we fell, you know, dang hard. And you guys, you know, let's see, you would have been, what, seven in 2008, you'd have been 10 years, so 15, 16 years old. So you guys really weren't even old enough to realize what was going on. Right. Um, yeah. But now, um, why don't you guys ask some questions after you've heard all of that kind of speech. Tell me kind of what you're thinking, and, and let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I think first off, I'll say that I, I agree. Austin is so high right now. It's kind of one of those areas that – Starting out as young as we are with as little money as we have, it would be really hard to jump in right now, you know, with our own funding. Um, of course, we've also thought about looking at, you know, alternate funding methods, and that was, you know, one thing we'd like to go over with you. But kind of right now, what we're thinking about doing, and you talk about, you know, learning as much as you can. We're actually planning on this week going to a real estate meetup here in Austin, I know we both listen to tons of you know real estate podcasts. Just like you said, Good. absorbing absorbing as Good. much information as we can. Good. That's hugely important, and I think that's one thing. Okay, I I tell people that ask me about this, mostly young people, but they ask me, you know, like how how did you have success in real estate? Well. I tell them I was in a position where I didn't have a choice. That's, that's the, the, the career that I chose, and I had a chip on my shoulder that I was going to be successful. 
and I want to tell both of you right now, like, you have to kind of go into this that you are younger than most people that are going to be doing this, but that has nothing to do with it. Your drive and desire and your, your passion to improve your quality of life is, is such a driving force. And if you kind of get a chip on your shoulder that you're going to outwork anyone else out there, you may not do as many deals, you may not find as many good properties, but you're going to take one at a time and you are going to go all in. You're going to like go into these real estate seminars. There's a lot of people that talk about wanting to get in real estate, but they never do anything. They never mm -hmm. go to a, a seminar. And then, but keep in mind, there's all those people that they always go to all these seminars, but they never actually put it into action. So and that's kind of <clears throat> I want you guys to kind of like, if, if you will, I want to challenge you to like keep that chip on your shoulder and go into it like, yeah, we're young, but we can do anything that this 50-year-old guy does or that, you know, Jay Scott does and he's 45. You, and I'm telling you, you guys that both went to college, like I can tell you're, you guys are sharp, you know, kids. I'm telling you, you can do this. You just have to go in, dive in with both feet, and learn as much as you can. Be around people that do it. Be around people that are successful. And I'm not talking about the people that, you know, they are acting successful. I'm talking mm -hmm. about the guys in the trenches that, you know, that they, they do real estate on a daily basis. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, surround yourself with those kind of people and, and take those kind of people to lunch and pick their brain. And, and you, know, you know, you're like, well, I, you know, I, I was the type, I didn't, I barely had enough money to take myself to lunch. But <laughs> you have to sacrifice and do some of those things and, and, you know, pick the brains of those people that have done it. And whatever it may be, if you're looking at, you know, buying some fix and flippers, if you're talking about getting some rental properties, uh, if you're talking about apartments, if you're talking about buying a piece of land or, you know, a of fixing a, a manufactured home or a mobile home to a, to a lot and then selling it as an improved product. I mean, you can do anything you want. I'll back up a little bit here and tell you that, so with my real estate, I was acting as an agent and I worked in a specific area for a couple years. And what I noticed is that there were these guys that were buying properties in bulk then they were getting a survey and splitting them up. In, in, for, for, for an easy example, let's say they bought a 10-acre piece of property, and then they would split it up into either two 5-acre properties or, two, two and a half acre, or four 2.5-acre properties. So they would buy it at a certain price, and then they would split it up, and then their split-up price, they would sell it at a higher price. It's mm -hmm. the same principle as like some of the retailers like a Walmart, they buy stuff in bulk, okay? Then they mm -hmm. split it up and then they sell it off in individual pieces. Well, they mark it up, right? Yeah. Right. So for about two or three years, I was acting as an agent where I was representing buyers and representing sellers, but I was watching and I was monitoring and I was keeping track. This was like, you guys are going to laugh, but this is like before computers. Just so you know, <laughs> when I was a junior in, or a, a Junior in college is the first time I remember a computer. Like I remember going to the, or it was actually when I was a senior, Student Union Center at ASU is the first time I walked in and you had to sit there and wait for your turn to go up 
and you hear the computer go, you know, you hear like the, the internet back then, it was like the choo, 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 you know, the, the <laughs> I, I guess it was AOL or I don't know what it was, but so this, that's kind of dating me, but so I, I made all my notes on yellow notepads. And I acted as an agent representing buyers and sellers. But what I noticed is there was four or five guys in my specific area that were buying properties, let's say it at, at 30000 an acre, but they were selling it for 40000 an acre split up. So mm -hmm. on a 10-acre piece of property, they're making $10,000 an acre. You know, they're making a $100,000 profit minus, you know, expenses and what have you. That's kind of a rough example. Right. So w what I did is I, I, did, I still um, didn't have any real money, but I, I had actually bought a house um, and was making commissions and doing pretty darn good, but I didn't have any what I would call real money. And I mm -hmm. thought, I need to find one of these properties myself because mm -hmm. I know this market better than any. I could literally drive down the road and say, that property sold for 32500 an acre. It closed on March 3rd. That property sold for 36300 an acre. I mean, I knew it. Right. So I come across this property that was, um, it was a two-and-a-half-acre piece of property, and it was listed for $110,000. It was basically 55000 per per lot. And mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew that it would sell for that. So I put in an offer on the property. I put 5000 earnest money down. And guys, it was the only $5,000 I had. <laughs> I, made an offer, I made an offer for $90,000 on 110000 I didn't even think they would respond. I did an all-cash deal, a 30-day close, a 15-day inspection. Now, guys, I know that I didn't have the 110000 but I had the 5000 earnest, and I thought, if I can get this at the right price, I'll find someone, one of my buddies or someone that has the money, and I'll go in partners, and we'll make this deal. Mm -hmm. The very first deal I ever do, I put 5000 earnest down, and they countered at $96,000. I got the counter back and was literally like looking at it like, are you kidding me? I know it's worth $110,000. Mm -hmm. And this is, a, this is a property that was in MLS. They had their own agent. I wrote in the contract that I'm a licensed agent acting on my own behalf as a principal, which, you, you know, by law you have to do, that I'm acting mm -hmm. on my own behalf and that, I'm gonna, uh, that the, the buyer is planning to buy the property for a profit and resell it for a profit. Put all that in the contract. They counter back at 96000 Okay. So in my mind, I think it will sell for 110000 exactly what they had it listed for. But I made them the offer on the first day, and they countered on the first day. <laughs> in all my driving around in my yellow notepad, I had made a list of builders. I called up a builder, and I said, hey, this is Jay Scott. Hey, Jay, what's going on? I said, well, I've got a property that I think you would want to buy from me. Okay. I said, what if I could bring you two acre lots that are side-by-side side for 55000 a lot. He said, Jay, where are you at? I said, I'm at my office. He says, I'll be there in 30 minutes. So don't wow. do anything. So I'm sitting there going, holy smokes, this guy's going to come by the office. So I have <laughs> the map already, and he walks in, and I said, how's it going? And I showed him, and I said, okay, here's the deal. If I'm going to sell you these two 
properties. They're, they're one property, but they can be split into two one-acre lots, and your price is 55000 He looks over at me and says, 110000 I said, yep. He said, I'll take them. And inside, you know, I'm just jumping. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because here's the key saying he'll pay 110 I'm paying 96 So that's a $14,000 profit, okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, there's, there's a little bit of an issue. And he looks right at me. He says, Jay, he says, I'll take those, and I want you to go find more just like it. I said, well, hang on. I got to tell you this whole thing. He says, let me guess. You don't have the money to close your deal and you're worried that now I'm going to buy the deal, but I don't have, but you don't have the money to close yours. And I said, exactly. He says, Jay, he says, write in this contract that you're about to write for 110000 I want you to write in there that the buyer understands and acknowledges that the seller does not have the money to close the transaction. He said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put my money in seven days ahead of time so that my money's in ahead of yours and you can... I want you to write it in the contract that you can use my money to sell your, to, to buy your deal. And he says, but hurry up with all that and go find me some more just like it. <laughs> so my first deal that I did, I, I paid 96 I sold it for 110 and I made a 3% commission because I was a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So I made about $17,000 on my very first deal. Nice. And I clo- I bought the property and closed the property on the same day. Wow. <laughs> and I had a builder that had confidence, and he, he trusted me because I told him the whole thing. I, I wrote it all out. I spilled it all out. And he said, Jay, I got money, but what I don't have is time to go find the lots. Go find more. Mm-hmm. So within a 30-day period, I go find a five-acre property and the way the zoning worked, I could split it into four acre and a quarter properties. All I had to do was do a $1,500 survey. I, mm-hmm. That property came on the market for $220,000. I made an offer for $180,000 on the property, and they accepted it. Wow. wow. I, called, I called the same builder up, and I said, hey, I've got four lots at $55,000. And I actually think location-wise, they're a little bit better than the other two you just bought. He says, where are you at? I said, I'm at my office. He said, I'm on my way over. He comes over. I show him the map. I show him what I got. He says, let me guess. You don't have the 180000 to buy the property. I said, nope. He said, okay, write it up just how you did before that you're going to use my money to close your deal. So he wrote the whole thing up again. I sold it to him for $220,000. I paid one eighty. Okay, So there's a $40,000 profit, plus I got a 3% commission on the purchase. Mm-hmm. This is all within about two months from, from the, when I found the very first one to when I sold the second one. So I've gone from, I made a $17,000 on first pop and a $40,000 plus a commission on the second one. And now I'm thinking, holy smokes, I'm on to something, and I'm <laughs> off and running. That's a heck well, of a quarter. Yeah, so, so I tell you that story only to tell you that you can do a lot of things without money. And, right. and you, you may have some money, and we can talk about that, but just know that 
when, when I hear people say, oh, well, if I don't have any money, so I can't do that, I just look at them and be like, I didn't have any money. I didn't have a dime. And that story that I just told you over the next 10 years, I did that over and 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 over, where after two or three deals, I started using my own money. I didn't need anybody else's money. And then when the market crashed in 2008, in 2011, I was able to buy rental houses. I paid cash for the, I bought four rental houses for cash. And I still own them to this day. Um, they've, they've over doubled in value. And they, they bring in about 12.5% net cap return. Now, those same houses that I would have to buy today, I would have to pay about two and a half times for them that I paid in 2011. And that's where the, the lesson of real estate is all timing comes back into play. Because right. if I, I could go buy those same houses now, but I'm going to have to pay at least two times, if not two and a half times, what I paid back in 11. Yeah. But... The one thing I learned in buying rental houses, and, and sorry to kind of, I just kind of wanted to lay groundwork here. No, definitely. Yeah. The, the, the beauty of, of what some people call as passive income, what some people call as, you know, um, residual income or rental income is I'm up in Colorado right now, and whether I'm fishing or I'm skiing or whatever I'm doing, farting around basically, and those mm -hmm. rental houses are sitting there, and they're kicking me off money every single month. And I own them for cash, so they've doubled in value, and they're kicking off monthly income. And in my mind, the guys that I know that have built a lot of wealth, that have built it through real estate, have built it through income-producing properties. They they might have gotten rich doing land stuff and building houses, but the ones that are really wealthy are the ones that own a building or own rental houses or own apartment buildings or own retail shopping centers. And in essence, people are paying them rent every month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing in, that I would tell you guys to be have in your future to be trying to figure out how you can get your own properties to rent, whether it be a strip center, uh, you know, a, a McDonald's, or, or McDonald's isn't a good example, but a, a fast food chain that you own the building but you lease it to them, uh, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, a tire shop that, you know, there's a mechanic in there but you own the shell, uh, or, or, or apartments or rental, rental houses, you know, single-family rental houses, whatever it may be. If you can get to where people are paying you rent, you're going to be uh, happy you did. Well, that's, that's a pretty good transition. We can kind of, you know, because that's kind of along the lines of what, you know, our, you know, kind of short-term goals are right now. Maybe, you know, not a, a big multifamily building or a strip center or something like that. But right now, currently, we're, you know, trying to get exactly where you're saying, you know, that, that passive income, that mailbox money that shows up every, every month. And, you know, currently we're looking at, you know, those single family, you know, the two to three bedroom, 1,000, 1,200 square foot houses, um, you know, that you can buy and, you know, manage 
you know, renovate as needed and be able to have that, that, like you said, passive income come in through those properties. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. you know, kind of, Absolutely. kind of through that is maybe kind of where we could ask a few questions on, you know, how to get there and, you know, to go about that pathway to get started. You know, everyone says, you know, take that leap. You know, if you're if you're eighty, you know, if you're seventy five, eighty percent sure that's what you want to do, go for it. Nobody's ever, you know, a hundred percent confident on every decision. Um, but we've been, you know, looking, you know, how to get started. And you know, our first questions are starting an LLC. You know, what you know to to you know kind of cover yourself and you know getting your whether you want to do loans or private funding or I could potentially try to take uh, money from our construction company to, to, you know, just to make that first purchase, dip our toes in, get our feet wet, and get started. Because that's what everyone says, get started. Yeah, and, and, and they can't be more right. I mean, that is, that, that's hugely important is, to, you know, get one, get your feet wet. My grandpa used to always tell me, he'd say, you can be an agent, you can do stuff all you want until it's your own money you don't learn anything until it's your money when it's your money that's when the rubber meets the road and that's when you start to learn uh-huh. okay so you also have to kind of look at it that you have a chip on your shoulder you want to you know you want to be uh, make your life better you want you really want this but you also have to know that it's okay if you buy one you get a tenant in there and all of a sudden, it's just not really working. It's just kind of breaking even, and it's, that's okay. It's not the end of the world, okay? Yeah. Um, you have to, I would rather you say, you know, we bought one, and we've got a tenant, but it's just not, it's just not doing great, but it's, you know, it's just kind of getting by. That's okay. That, you, you know, you've taken the step that most people don't take. Mm-hmm. Going back to your question, yes, I think you should. I don't know all the different laws and such in Texas, but yes, I think you should own it in an LLC, okay? Mm-hmm. Have a little bit of protection using an LLC, and you can talk to your attorney about the, you know, the different types of LLCs and different you know, avenues to protect yourself in, in that regards from you know, potential lawsuit or anything like that, plus tax reasons. Yeah. Uh-huh. But one thing I, one thing I want to say is, I don't know what guys' credit is, but if you have good credit, that's a huge thing that if you find a humdinger of a deal and you're willing to put your credit on the line and, and if you don't have the cash to buy it outright, which most 25-year-olds don't, and that's okay. <laughs> um, if you have good credit, what you have to understand, guys, is this is like the, some of the lowest interest rates we will ever see in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I will tell you over the last two years, it's probably been even better than it is now, and they're starting to tick up. But I really don't see rates going lower than they were, say, a year, year and a half ago. And But it's still, you can get loans around, you can get uh, non-owner occupied type loans for like 4% or four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to understand your parents probably their first houses they probably paid thirteen, fourteen percent. And so yeah. you've got to understand that if you have good credit and you have the and you have income from your other jobs, at some point you do have to put your 
you know, put it on the line and say, we're going to do this and this is what we're going to do. We're going to start out with one. We're going to, mm -hmm. you know, search. We're going to get a good realtor or we're going to do it on our own and we're going to look at all these houses and we're going to find a property that needs some elbow grease. You know, it's going to be probably hard in a, in a marketplace like that to just go in and find just a humdinger of a deal and, and you know, beat someone out. You're going to have to do financing if you can't do cash. Right. But maybe, maybe find one of those properties that needs, you know, the weeds are 10 feet tall and it needs some elbow and it maybe need a new paint job. Um, I mean, a couple of my rentals, uh, you know, I, I hired, you know, basically cheap labor. I did, you know, some of the work myself. I was definitely on site and, you know, and I literally know nothing about construction, literally know nothing about construction. Um, I had a good friend that was a contractor, um, but he kind of helped me through it and I was able to elbow grease some of these properties and make, you know, get a couple, you know, really nice properties and turn them into something. I remember I bought one and I took my wife there and she's like, there's no way you're buying this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy it. It's a HUD home. I'm going to buy this thing. She's like, and there was junk in there and trash and, you know, like up on the ceilings, it was like dirty and cobwebs. But sometimes that's what it takes is to find some of those properties that are distressed and clean them up and, uh, you know, get, get them either where you can flip them and, and, and resell them to someone else, or you can put a tenant in there if you have good credit, you know, at a 4.5% interest rate, and just do the math where you figure, okay, I know this thing will rent for 12 or 13 or 1,000 or 15 or whatever the number is. Calculate your payment and be like, wow, um, when it's all said and done, we actually are on the positive $300 a month. Right. It doesn't sound like a lot, but then go buy another one. Go find another diamond in the rough, and maybe you find one that's got a little bit more meat on the bone, and maybe it's you know six or seven hundred dollars positive cash flow that month. And there, right. there, there's all sorts of seminars that you can go to, and they can literally walk you step by step in the financing situation where you finance these rental homes, and and you know they can they can probably tell you I paid cash for mine. Mm -hmm. um, but I was able to, you know, go in, cash deals. This was when the market was on its, you know, in the gutter, make cash deals and just, I was like, take it or leave it, you know. And, and you, if, if you guys do this long enough, there's going to be a cycle turn where if you have the money, that's when you can really capitalize and make a ton of money is when the market turns. You mm -hmm. let the market turn, you you tr if if you don't have good credit, try and repair your credit the best you can. Having good credit is hugely important, but cash is always king. Having actual money is number one, but having credit, good credit, is number two. And then if you're fortunate to have a friend or a family member or anyone else uh, that you know believes in you, trusts in you, and that's willing to sign on the dotted line with you, that's that's a huge thing too. Yeah. Um, let's see, we we had a few lists of of questions we were kind of kind of go through with this, and yeah, one of them was just okay. So here, you know, finding those diamonds in the rough. In some of these podcasts, um, you know, they talk about once you become pretty much, I say, like a verified buyer, meaning you know, agents know that you have money, know that you're willing to make these cash offers. 
they, you know, I guess start dishing out unlisted deals, you know, kind of send, you know, I guess an unlisted deal. That, Stuff that's not on the MLS. Right. Yeah. To, they know, call to them like pocket list, pocket yeah. listings. And yeah. I would tell you, I would tell you that in theory, that's great. In all reality and all practicality, until you probably become a seasoned investor and, and, and you have a relationship with that realtor, mm-hmm. my, gut, my gut tells me, I hear what you're saying, um, my gut tells me that those are probably going to be offered to people that they've already sold other houses to. And right. I'm not yeah. saying that you can't ask the realtor, because I, I used to, um, when I was buying and selling land all the time, I would call different realtors up and I'd say, hey, my name my name's Jay Scott. Um, I like to buy and sell real estate. Do you have anything that you think that I should buy? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I got, I, I would say no. Do you have any deals, anything that you think is a great buy? I'm not interested in retail deals. Do you have any pocket listings? Do you have anything up your sleeve that's coming up that you think that I can get to before it gets on the market? The worst okay. thing they're going to tell you is no. Right. And the worst thing they're going to tell you is, oh, no, i got to put it on the market. But it doesn't hurt to ask and say, hey, do you know of any listings? Do you know of any great buys? Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you an example. My nephew got into real estate. He's, well, I should know, but I think he's 25. I think he just turned 25. He's in his 20s. Let's just put it that way. Um, he got his real estate license a couple of years ago, and he just called me last week, and he's like, Uncle, I've been showing these uh, houses to, to some people, and I've been showing all these houses. You know, Over the last month, I've shown hundreds of houses. He said, I found one that's a, that's a deal. I said, all right, what is it? He says, oh, it's a deal. It's, it's a great property. And he starts on it. He's like, I just wish I could find someone to buy it. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and I go, tell me about the deal. Well, I ended up buying it last week. Oh, so wow. what I would tell you is you, can, you don't have to be a real estate agent to find deals. It helps if you can make a friend with the real estate agent and let them know what you guys want to do so that they can be on the lookout too. But what I would encourage you to do is to look and go in as many houses. If you want to buy rental houses, go into as many houses as you can go into. Learn about them. Look at the construction. Look at the condition of the property. Keep notes on, you know, this was in March. I went and looked at these 12 houses. And, you know, write what your observation is. This one doesn't show well because the grass is not trimmed. This one doesn't show well because you walk in and the laundry room has a smell to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, immerse yourself in as if you're the buyer going in and going, now when we have a property to either A, rent or sell, what do they think when they walk into the house? And uh, Amanda, your background in architecture and what have you, you may walk into a house and go, man, if they would just pull this big cabinets out and open up this room, it wouldn't take anything. They could put the cabinets over here. Look how much it would open up the you know, the kitchen into the family room. Yeah. Or, you know, what if we could just, you know, cut this window out and make a bigger window? Or, man, you walk into this house and in the backyard you look right at power lines, all we'd have to do is go buy a $1,000 tree, plant it in the backyard, you'd never see the power lines. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much to, uh, to real estate that 
you can you can find a diamond in the rough by thinking outside the box and but you've got to look at a lot of properties in order to to sharpen your eye uh, and, and learn your market. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then maybe pick an area that you want to own a rental house in and then try and, you know, get a realtor friend of yours or, or, or what have you to get you the listings and maybe say, listen, I'll buy you the best steak dinner you can eat if you'll take us to, you know, 20 properties in one day, just in and out, in and out, in and out. And you'll get to learn a neighborhood and you'll be like, and that's like what my nephew did last week. He was able to show me all the comps. He's like, this is the, this is the deal of this whole neighborhood. This is a steal. Well, I started looking at all the numbers. I'm like, you're absolutely right. This is a great buy. This is a great property. I bought it. You know, we, we, we kind of got in a bidding war with another group, but anyway, we bought it. I paid cash for it and I'm going to rent it out. And, you know, I may rent it for a year and I may sell it down the road or I'm, it may just be another, another one of my rentals. But mm -hmm. there's deals all around you guys out there. But it's kind of like if you, if you don't look at enough properties, you don't know if it's a deal or not. Yeah. Right. I mean, an analogy would be someone, let's just picture, uh, uh, this is kind of a dumb analogy, but a, 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 a boy and girl, they're in high school, and they've never dated anyone else, and they start dating each other, and they think they're madly in love, but they've never dated anyone else. They don't know. They they have no idea. You understand? Yeah. It's like how do you know the market if you're not out there looking and studying the market? So, are your the rentals that you have? Are they all local to you, or are they out of state? No, they're all. Um, they all are local to me. They're all in Maricopa County, so they're all in the Phoenix area. And I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to buying real estate in another market. But what I would tell you is starting out, I would highly recommend picking an area that you can drive by and that you can learn and that you can be hands-on yourself. As you become more seasoned, uh, as you, be, you know, get more money and as you get more um, credit and you know, what have you and you find deals in other marketplaces, I, I'm not telling you not to look in other marketplaces at all. But what I'm telling you is if you want to be good at what you do, you have to know your market. And in order to know your market, you have to go there a lot and you have to study it. You have to, you know, literally be on top of it. Um, mm -hmm. but, but with that being said, I go back to you have to be hungrier than the other people out there. It doesn't right. matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter if, you know, if you can beat them to the punch and if you can beat them to the deal, that's what it takes. Sometimes the people that make a bunch of money, they also get fat and sassy and they, they don't, they're not hungry anymore. They don't right. have that chip on their shoulder anymore and they're not aggressive out there. So, um, and you'll have to gauge your own level of aggressiveness um, as you go. And, you know, you always want to analyze your deals. You want to overanalyze your deals. But then you have to trust your numbers. If you know that you're buying it, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars under market, and even more sometimes, you, you have to know, you have to trust and believe in yourself. And the trust will come as you do more deals. And and 
you're going to have some that aren't as good as others, but that's part of learning. That's part, you know, it, it, you don't want to have a loser right off the bat. But, right. you know, let's say you find a property for $150,000 and you buy it, and you know that you can, you know, mow the lawn, um, pull up the tile, slap in a new fresh coat of paint, and maybe pull the popcorn off the ceilings, and you know that you can sell that for, you know, a $15,000 profit. Well, go do it. And so if you sell it and you only make an $8,000 profit, that's still a profit and it's, you learn something and every mm -hmm. deal you do, you're going to gain confidence. Right. Yeah. I believe that one. Um, so since yours are local, um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't, just wondering, you know, how many properties you have. You don't really have to say anything like that. But I was just curious with, as you know, as many properties as, as you may have, do you manage them all yourself or do you hire, like, a property managing company? Um, or, you know, how do you go about, you know, managing tenants and keeping keeping sure. everything, keeping tenants, you know, in, sure. in your property? I, I'm very fortunate that my dad is actually a property manager. He, he, he still... Um, is a residential resale agent, but over mm -hmm. the last 15 or probably 15 years, he's kind of transitioned into, he has 75 or 80, maybe even more homes that he is the property manager of. And so in other words, he, he has a whole fleet of owners. Some own five, some own two, some own 10, some own 15, some own six, you know, random amount of homes and he manages them for them. So, I've been very, very fortunate when I first bought my rental homes in, in 2011, he was able to tell me, son, I think you should always try for a four-bedroom house as a rental as a general rule of thumb, which I would pass on to you guys. Four bedrooms are better than two. Mm -hmm. um, four bedrooms are better than three. It always seems that that fourth bedroom kicks someone over the top to be like, oh, I want that fourth bedroom. Where we live in Phoenix, Arizona, he says, I know pools are a pain in the butt, but if you can find a four-bedroom house with a pool, that's always going to rent. Mm -hmm. And yes, you have some more maintenance with pool and what have you, but in our summers, they're so hot. He says, I recommend getting rentals with pool. They will always rent. And if you get a four-bedroom, they will always um, you know, have tenants in them. So... I would tell you that I've tr I tried to find four-bedroom houses. I tried to find houses with a pool. Now, I don't know your, your town. I've never actually been to Austin. I don't know if a pool is, is mandatory. I don't know how much more the rent is. And that's the thing. I, I was able to lean on him because he is a property manager. And, and that's the other thing I would tell you is I was fortunate because he is a property manager. He's been around the block. He had all the forms. He knows how to deal with tenants. But I still manage all my properties. And what I told him when I bought them, he's like, you want me to manage them? I said, Dad, I said, I want to manage them myself because I want to learn. He's like, you don't want to deal with the tenants? I said, yes, I want to learn and I want to see how it works so that I know. And now I'm a lot more seasoned than I was, you know, seven years ago when I started and I you know, I've been fortunate. My properties have never been vacant. I mean, the, the biggest vacancy I've had is where when someone gives me 30-day notice, you know, that they're going to have to move out. They have to give me 30-day notice. I've always been able to basically have a tenant in there within, you know, 
a couple of days. So I've had ver I've had very little vacancies, which in the rental game, having vacancies is you, you have to keep those income-producing properties full. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing is, you can make a great investment in a great property, and you don't necessarily have to think, well, I could live there. Some of my rental homes, I wouldn't live there. Not like, oh, I'm better than that, but it's just not, it's just not the house I want to live in. But there's a lot of people that would love to live in it. So that's another thing is don't get too fancy where you think, well, it has to be you know, this, that, or the other. Sometimes keeping it simple and keeping it where it's affordable. And when you're looking at homes to buy for rent, there's obviously lower prices, middle prices, and high prices. A good rule of thumb is, you know, if you can find something in that thousand to fifteen hundred dollar range in rent, there's a lot of people that can afford that price, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that can afford to rent around a thousand. Whereas if you had something that's three thousand a month, there's way less people that can rent the three thousand dollar a month fancy place. Exactly. Okay. So sometimes owning uh, the worst house on the best street is the best thing. Yeah, that's definitely and, more of what I'm going for. Yeah, and, and you know, fixer-uppers and those kind of things where, you know, you put some elbow grease in, you know, look for those properties that are, um, you know, the, the worst house on the best street. And if you do a little bit of fixing up, you get a tenant in there, um, you know, and think of it like this. If you get a mortgage on the property, if you can afford to do a 15-year mortgage, okay, rates mm -hmm. are still low, and let's say that you don't make any money, so zero cash flow. You rent it out for the same amount that you pay. You follow me? Your payment and the, and the rental amount is the same, virtually the same after taxes and insurance and what have you. You net zero. Mm -hmm. keep, in, keep in mind that if you can rent that for 15 years, in 15 years that house will be free and clear. You'll own it with no debt. Mm -hmm. Then whatever rental amount comes in, that will go straight into your pocket, not to mention that that tenant will have paid your payment. So sometimes cash flow is great, but sometimes just making it work in a short enough period of time, like a 15-year mortgage, that whole house is going to be completely yours. You could, in 15 years, if you wanted to, sell it. You mm -hmm. wouldn't want to. In my opinion, my strategy would be, why would you sell it? Now it's going to be straight profit in your pocket every month. Exactly. Yeah. Don't always look at every deal as how much is it going to cash flow. Some of them use... And, and you have to judge your risk, too. And, and I would tell you to keep your other jobs, so keep your day jobs. This is what you guys are going to do on your side. Mm -hmm. Maybe make a goal to get one house this year, or maybe you're more ambitious and you want to get, you know, one house every six months. You can judge your level of, you know, how you want to do it. But try and get a good goal is one in the next 365 days. Right. Find one property... I'm sorry. I think we, that's what our goal was by by October. We wanted to try to have our first one. There you go. We 
and, and that, you know, everyone says that, you know, if it's written down, if you say it, then you kind of have to keep yourself in check, you know. So that's, you know, we set our goal one property by October. First you said his birthday. In June. And I was like, mm, maybe, maybe my birthday. <laughs> we'll wait till October. <laughs> well, I think it's good to set a goal that, that's lofty, but I also think it's good to set a goal that's achievable. If you set one that's, you know, not achievable, when you don't achieve it, you, you get down in the dumps and you think, oh, man, and then you give up. I would tell you guys, don't give up. Find mm -hmm. one property between now and October or whenever your birthday is and find one property. I, I would talk to someone in the mortgage business and, and get pre-qualified and, and get that so you get all the financing part of it out of it, or if someone's going to sign with you or however you're going to do it, get that done first and foremost, okay? So that when you do find a property, you can jump on it right away. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing was, I would tell you, is in, in all your spare time, I would be looking at as many properties as you can, big, medium, small, whatever, Pick an area and learn the area. Learn how much is that house renting for? How long did it sit vacant? How, how, um, why do the people like to rent in that area? Mm -hmm. find, the schools, find the schools in Austin that are the better schools. That's a huge thing with people. They want to have their kids in good schools. It doesn't have right. to be the highest, you know, high-priced neighborhood, but good, solid schools. Find the good shopping. Find the easy access to the freeways. Find those things that you say, okay, this makes sense. This is why these people want to be here, okay? Analyze the rents. Analyze, okay, that house rents for 1500 That house rents for 1200 That house rents for 1800 That house rents for 2500 And get a sense of, okay, it costs 300000 and it's going to rent for 1500 Get a cost of that or get a sense of that ratio um, of, of how much you're going to have to spend and how much your rent is. And I have no idea what your market in, in Austin is right now. Right, so that's, that's going to be up to you guys of doing the homework on that. Right, definitely. <clears throat> um, you know, I think that pretty much... I think we're kind of looking through some of our notes, you know, really, there, I mean, there's just been, yeah, so many little tidbits of information throughout all this. Good. And great. Um, Good. So get your financing figured out. Um, get to know a real estate agent uh, or, one, or one of you get your own real estate license or, you know, if you have a family or a friend that's in real estate, you know, take, say, listen. We're going to probably drive you crazy, but our goal is to buy some houses over time. So, you know, we got to start somewhere and just right. start looking at a bunch of properties and start learning as much as you can. Get that chip on your shoulder to just outwork anybody else out there. And that's all it is. It's just outworking people and, and, and you know, jumping on deals. But the only way to know it's a deal is if you – looked at enough properties to realize that that's, this is a great buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think if I – real estate timing, I just want to reiterate, timing is everything. Good credit is huge. 
It's not, it's, it's, not in, it's not impossible if you don't have good credit, but credit helps. Um, sometimes breaking even on rent to mortgage ratio is not all that bad because if you can do a 15-year mortgage in 15 years, that house is going to be completely free and clear. Don't quit your day jobs. I would recommend keep your jobs, but on all your spare time, put into your real estate and, you know, Try your goal of buying one house, uh, one property uh, a year. And, um, you know, I think after you buy your first one, I would bet the next year you could possibly buy your second one. Yeah, uh, we'll probably be. And, and then go to as many seminars as you can. Watch out for the slicksters that are, you know, all fancy. And stay away from the fancy ones. <laughs> the, the guys that are charging you a wazoo of money to go to their seminar you know, investigate them. Do they really have what they say they're going to have? You, you guys are probably have a pretty good sense of who the slicksters are and, you know, who the real people are. And trust me, there's a lot of great real estate uh, seminar people out there that are the real deal. Um, and then, you know, take the real estate agents that you know. Take the contractors. Take the plumbers. Take the electricians. Go talk to people at school. Why do you guys like this school? Study the school districts. You know, do all that kind of stuff. Study, you know, demographics of why they like the shopping or the, the dining or, you know, it's easy to go to the market and this, that, and the other. And this neighborhood's great because, you know, mama likes to make a right-hand turn when she comes home from work right <laughs> into the grocery store and then she can go right into the, you know, into the subdivision. Those are all huge, huge um, parts of it. Exactly. And, and then the last thing I'm going to tell you is, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do it because I had people that told me I couldn't do it and I had a chip on my shoulder and I said I was going to prove them wrong and I did. And <laughs> I start, and people say, oh, well, Jay's got money. He started with money. I had nothing. I started with zero. I, mm -hmm. My parents, very loving parents, you know, and were very supportive of me, very supportive, and I had a great childhood, but, you know, I didn't have any money. And I know you can make, a lot of money out of nothing. And so mm -hmm. don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't because you can because I've done it. Right. Yeah, it definitely helps that we're able to do this together. Cause I've, I've yeah. been in it for a very long time, but I would never actually have the courage to go and do it by myself. Well, that's half the battle sometimes is just stepping out and doing your first one. And, and don't be so hard on yourself that everything has to be perfect either. I mean... What I mean by that is, yeah, analyze it and try and make a good decision. But if anybody tells you that every real estate deal they've ever done is a home run, they're lying. They are absolutely lying. There's, there's winners and losers and everything. And, you know, sometimes if you've got a loser, sometimes maybe it's best to sell the loser, take your little hit, and move on. Don't quit. Take it as, take it as a learning experience and move on. And, you know, keep striving to, to, to do better. But you're never going to make every decision perfect. You're, you're, you know, you're going to have some learning curve, but that's part of it. Since, you know, we don't have any experience, you know, you kind of said, you know, everyone has some, does, does anything stand out as, you know, a bad deal you took and maybe some, some takeaways uh, that, you know, maybe we could get from, you know, kind of a sheer expense, unfortunately? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say back to the timing thing, um, when when the market was just on fire in 04, 05, 06, 07, 
when it was just, I mean, it was literally real estate was easy, like, you know, thousands and millions of dollars were being, I mean, it was ridiculous how much money was being made. And I was right in the middle of it, and I made a bunch of money. But I would tell you that I kind of lost track of timing and how when every, and, and that's why I told you before, like, I think over the next five years, we're going to have a correction, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's next year. I don't know if it's two years. I don't know, if, but we're going to have a correction. When everybody around you, your barber, your plumber, your electrician, the guy that's working on your car, the guy that's, you know, putting it in your lawn, like, you know, when everybody's buying real estate and everybody's going, oh, I'm making so much money. Oh, I'm making, that should be red flags there, that something is wrong and that maybe the market is, is you know, getting too hot. Right. And there were some properties that I bought when the market was very, very hot. And there was a guy that I know in the land business a year before, a, a solid year before the market tanked. He said, I'm out. I'm selling most everything. I'm out. And I said, you're what? Mm -hmm. I'm out. From the day that he sold out, just him telling me that I'm sold out, I, I want to say that I made seven figures. But then there was a day when he was right. Really? So what I'm telling you is <clears throat> don't get too big for your britches and don't get too fancy. Remember what you're doing it for. Remember the basics of, you know, buying a deal, buying low, selling high, buying a deal that you know you can get a tenant in that's going to pay your payment, and then, you know, don't get too much debt that if the, all of a sudden there was a correction and, you know, the property values go down 30 40% that you're, that you're buried in them. You, you get what I'm saying? So be, you know, be aggressive, but always be looking on your back trail and always, Always know that um, you know the mar it's a cyclical market, and then right. if if you do get your hand spanked a time or two with with timing, and you know you buy buy. Let's say five years from now you call me and you're like, we have five homes. I'm be like, great. And then let's say ten years you call me like, wow, we got five more, but we bought at the wrong time, and they're you know they're kind of underwater, but we still have tenants in them. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of having tenants is as long as you have tenants in it, it doesn't matter really what the property is worth. Does that make right. sense to you guys? Yeah. So whether, if my house is, if I paid $100,000 for the house and now it's worth 200000 but the, the rent is, say, twelve fifty a month, as long as I'm getting that twelve fifty a month, it doesn't really matter whether it's worth 100 or 200 unless, it's so mortgaged that they come and say that the loan to value ratio is 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 you know not kosher and they mm -hmm. make you you know they come and call it basically and say that you know you have to bring in money because you know you, you're underwater but if mm -hmm. you keep a tenant in there if you keep a tenant in there and write it out which a lot of people did through when it crashed in you know 08 and it crashed you know it was 10, 11, 12, it was down in the doldrums, and they've had a tenant in there for, you know, say 10 years. Now they're, they've wrote it back out. Now it's, you know, back almost worth what it was at the peak. Right. So as long as you can get a good rentable property, 
you don't have to go, you know, the ups and downs aren't that big of a deal. You're looking at it as a long-term proposition. Yeah. It's an investment. I think we, uh, you know, you answered a ton of our questions and definitely have given us, you know, strategies and things to think about. Good motivation. Yeah, definitely great motivation. Well, I get fired up about it because it's one of those things that's like, like I said, I mean, I know where I came from. I know what I had when I started, and I've been super blessed, and, you know, I'm very fortunate to to be in the position I'm I'm in, but I I, I like to encourage people because I I know it can be done because I've done it, and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. There's so many people that are way smarter, way better looking, you know, way better salesmen, you know, whatever, and, you know, you can do it because I've done it. Right. So uh, I just I want to thank you guys for, one, having the courage to come on the podcast because I know I think this is going to help some other people out. And I, I think it will help um, answer some questions that I get a lot. And then, two, I want to encourage you guys and also hats off to you for being young and wanting to have, you know, a better life uh, and and know in your heart that, you can do it and surround yourself with people that are, you know, doers and positive people and learn as much as you can. Uh, do all those things we talked about, and I think you guys are going to do just fine. Well, thank you so much for yeah, having us. Thank and you taking, so much. Taking the time to talk okay. to us. Okay, sounds good. Uh, in about a year, I want a follow up from you and, and uh, a report, okay? I want to I hear that you've bought, uh, you found one, one good property. Okay, we can do that. Yes, sir. Okay, and then one last thing. When you get really good at this, you can potentially find a property, and let's say it doesn't work for you in your financial situation. There's always people out there that will buy it. So keep that in mind. If, if, you, mm-hmm. become a deal, if you become a deal searcher and you find those deals, get you a list of a handful of people that know what you're doing and have conversation with them that if, if we find smoking deal and whatever in our financing, we can't pull it off. Are you interested? Because you mm-hmm. will run across stuff that other people will gobble up and, um, you know, that, that builds credibility. And when you bring deals to people, that there, there's, that's a great thing because, you, you know, there's all sorts of ways to make money and there's all sorts of ways to, to uh, you know, create favors with people and what have you. So keep that in mind, okay? Yes, sir. All right, you guys. Well, uh, God bless you, and um, I want to report me here, and we'll talk. We'll talk then, okay? We'll do. Thank you. Sounds Jay. great. Thank you so much. Okay, you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.